0: Hi, and welcome to another edition of I'll Be There For You, a podcast about pop culture and coping. I am your host slash producer slash snack mom slash coffee runner Lindsay Innitt And every episode I bring in a cool or funny person that I admire to talk about a piece of pop culture that got them through a difficult time in their lives. Why am I doing this? Why am I subjecting you to yet another pop culture podcast? It's because I love talking to people about the things they love and about the ways they take care of themselves and their community and use pop culture to better contextualize the wild world that we live in right now. If you are a person that cares about the melting ice caps and the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, this podcast is for you. My guest today is Hannah Bowman is a Chicago-based stand-up comedian and accidental storyteller. I saw you at Appetite for Rock and Roll, and I would not say that was accidental. I would say that was genius. She loves using <laughs> props, speaking to her experience as a woman in the world, and making fart noises into the mic. <laughs> Who doesn't? She also performs as one half of the alt-comedy duo Little Psychos.
1: What do you mean by alt-comedy? I didn't know how to describe it, but I, but like... Like, doing comedy that some would even say is not funny (laughs) together. (laughs) Like, one time just, like, putting on full clown makeup and sort of doing a circus act on stage for no reason and then sort of, like, publicly fighting on the stage and nobody really enjoyed it or laughed, but we felt like it was made to do – we thought we would do it at a comedy show. (laughs) So, like, that's what I mean. (laughs) So,
0: like, was it – by circus, was it more like Cirque du Soleil or more like Juggalo?
1: Oh, well, I definitely took, like, a Juggalo route. uh She took more of a, well, I mean, we were just somersaulting a little bit, just kind of like screaming, running around. My fly was open. I don't know. I don't know what the plan was, but essentially, yeah, I just like wearing clown makeup sometimes. That's- <laughs> and that's what I do in little psychos.
0: You know, that's totally okay. <laughs> okay. And, you know, it's, I think, getting at a lot of people's deep-seated fears and pathologies. Definitely.
1: <laughs> and then and then after that show in particular, I did, like, karaoke at the bar in my full clown makeup. So I did, like, Hit Me Baby one more time. And that was, like, even a greater joy, I would say.
0: <laughs> that sounds incredible. And I would love to see someone in full clown makeup do Hit Me Baby one more time at
1: karaoke. Okay, maybe I'll do it again one day. Oh my gosh. Encore,
0: please.
1: (laughs) So Hannah, what have you uh, brought in to to share with us today? When we met at Appetite, I told a story about meeting a band I really like. And that band is One Direction, um, British boy band. And I was upset. They were my entire life for like four-ish years. How did you first kind of fall into the world of being a directioner? Oh my God, there was a time when it was like Directioners versus Directionators, which were the
0: fake fans. (laughs) So so how does one differentiate between a Directioner and a Directionator? I
1: mean, it's just, it's taken so many forms, but it seemed like from what I found from like the tweens on the internet that I was following, it seemed like Directionators had a favorite, (laughs) which is just not fair because there are five members, and Directioners knew that each member was special in their own way, and it's kind of like that. Even Liam? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Okay, Liam has a couple hot songs that he's done since that nobody knows or has listened to. (laughs) I'm... I
0: know I'm being deeply unfair to Liam Payne, <laughs> but he's just happens to be the one I know the least about.
1: Yeah, I guess so. He's the most nondescript. He did he liked to like think of himself as the dad of the group. So of course, like I'm on the internet like daddy <laughs> under like his <laughs> tweets in like 2012. <laughs> so that's great.
0: And this and this was pre Zaddy. So yeah.
1: Okay, Z A D D Y was a better fit for Zane because it was both a play on the name and a play on Daddy and a play on Zaddy. So it's very, it's multi layered. (laughs) Although his new
0: music is not, not great. But that, that, that Pillow Talk song is a sham. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: The talent is undeniable for him, but the rest, I mean, it is questionable, but. I felt I don't even know how I found, you know what I think I found them on Pinterest.
0: <laughs> when you found them on on Pinterest of all places and I should probably share a little bit about my journey with One Direction. Oh my god, um, yes. So, I was living I was a graduate student in Liverpool in the UK the year they okay, were on my
1: mouth is wide open <laughs> Yeah,
0: the year they were on X Factor and yes. the, like the prevailing narrative at the time was here are these five good looking mildly talented dudes don't have enough panache to be pop stars on their own so we're gonna put them in a group and they finished third on that season of X Factor behind Rebecca Ferguson who is incredibly talented yes. and Matt Who won? Yes.
1: And Rebecca came in second.
0: Yes. Liverpool, because Rebecca Ferguson is a scouser, everybody in, in Liverpool was rooting for her. But then the direction mania that overtook. There was a day I was walking down kind of the main high street in like the city center of Liverpool, and all of a sudden I hear screaming. I thought there was like a gunman loose as I just hear all these high pitched screams. I'm like, do I have to get down? Do I have to run? Like, what the fuck is going on? And One Direction is <gasps> staying at a hotel, Shut up. so it's all these fans screaming for them they have a show at the Echo Arena, and it's like, oh, this is this is for real. This is something. Yes,
1: and it's like, okay, it, it took hold here, but I feel like it, nobody ever got a good scope of like how. Many people were like ardent fans of theirs because like the UK, I mean, like obviously it started a lot earlier there, but even here, I feel like people didn't know about them for a long time. (laughs) At the same time, they were like selling out arena, not arenas. Yeah, arenas. I thought you were gonna tell me that you met them on the street, like in no. Liverpool, and I was going to die. Like that's no, my greatest dream met... is to like meet them out, out in the wild, you know? I have never met any of the members of One <laughs> Direction.
0: That experience, I, I started to realize, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be a thing. I feel like in the years that have followed, I've met a lot of I don't know how to put this like late in life directioners.
1: No, that is a that's like a whole Like, culture, I think. There are like a lot of moms and like women in their 30s and 40s who were like really into One Direction. You found them on
0: Pinterest. So, walk me through that experience of who are these
1: sweet little angel babies (laughs) and. With accents and (laughs) coordinated outfits. (laughs) Okay. I think I saw like a GIF. Is that the, is it a hard G? I still don't even know.
0: For the intents and purposes of this podcast, it is a hard G. Okay.
1: So I saw a GIF. I was scrolling Pinterest freshman year in Psych 100 or something, like sitting in an auditorium. And I saw a bunch of GIFs of them from their music video what makes you beautiful, like on a beach in coordinated outfits, like singing to the camera, these like 17-year-old little, just so cute. And yeah, I found their music video. I found their first album, which had already come out to like no fanfare in America. Like third place on the X Factor means literally nothing here. Like nobody here knows Rebecca Ferguson either. You know what I mean? Like we don't like know –
0: Wait, some people do because she was invited to uh, sing at Trump's inauguration. Oh, my God.
1: Okay. But I mean, but like I don't hear her, her on sing, the radio.
0: Right. She asked if she could
1: sing "Strange Fruit," and then. Oh wait, I do remember that. Yeah. <gasps> also, Zayn dated Rebecca Ferguson briefly. What? Yeah, <laughs> like while they were on the X Factor, oh my and she's like God. ten years his senior, and like has a kid. And, I'm you
0: know. kind of into it. Yeah, I, I loved it.
1: Anyway, it? anyway, so like I found I found their music video. I was like, okay, obsessed. Found their album. Just started playing it in my dorm all the time. I remember going home, like freshman year. This is like 2012, and they were on it. 2010 and I like went home from school for Christmas break and I was in my friend's basement and I was like guys want to see this like music video I'm just obsessed with and I showed them the music video and they were like cool we kind of don't care and I was like oh that's when I knew that I was that was the seed and I knew that nobody else was going to feel like this (laughs) because they weren't blown away by this like shitty beach music video
0: yeah I think about that scene in Mean Girls a lot where she's talking about Regina George and it's like I could hear people getting bored with me but I just couldn't stop
1: (laughs) Yes, oh my God, I would be terrified to like ask my like college roommates what they thought about my one direction obsession but and and this
0: obsession culminated for you with with a with a book signing event,
1: okay, that wasn't even the peak of the obsession
0: that wasn't the peak no would you would you are you comfortable sharing the
1: oh sure yes. <laughs> um, Lindsay got an extended version of this story. But essentially, One Direction <laughs> released a book and it was terrible. <laughs> I am—I um, I mean, I think they were just kind of given outlines and they just kind of filled in a couple of buzzwords here and there and then somebody else just strung them together. But they had a book signing out in, this, in like Skokie at a mall. And essentially, I, I slept overnight at the mall to buy the book to be the first like 500 people to buy this book so that I could get a ticket to the signing. And like you meet them as they sign your book. So I slept outside of a mall. I was like, "Cool, I'm gonna go. Be- I'm gonna go meet them. Put on like a hot little outfit to go meet them. I was wearing white Abercrombie and Fitch coochie cutters because I was like, "Yes, like they're gonna want a piece of this <laughs> at this book sighting. <laughs> coochie cutters is an incredible term. <laughs> I think that's what my mom said when I came home with those shorts when I was like 16, and she's like, "Well, you're gonna wear these coochie cutters." <laughs> And yes, I continued wearing them. But what the problem is, is it was like 90 degrees. I had to like learn a dance to perform for One Direction. I'm like sweating. Um, I had probably eaten a lot of cheese the night before because I didn't know I was lactose intolerant at this time. Mm, And I felt like, yeah, I felt like I was having heat stroke. And I suddenly felt like I was going to poop my pants. (laughs) And I took off running. I'm like, I'm 30 minutes away from meeting One Direction. I take off running to the porta potties. I, I fully diarrhea in my in my tiny Abercrombie and Fitch shorts. <laughs> I go to the bathroom, I have to ditch the thong I'm wearing, which I stole from my mom's drawer to be sexy. (laughs) Okay. Now I've like used it as a diaper. I have to throw it out in in the porta potty. I put back on my white shorts, (laughs) now essentially a a glorified diaper and go meet One Direction and I share one single look with each of them and um, no words and that's it. So 24
0: hours... How was the feeling of of being in in line in that community with other directioners?
1: I guess I was like, I hate you. <laughs> I, I guess I didn't feel like a good sense of community because I felt like everybody. <laughs> there was this whole thing in like the fandom. You know, where, like, the fandom is toxic. And I was in the camp of, like, yes, this fandom is so toxic. And, you know, we bonded with some other girls who were there. I was there with my one friend. And we bonded with a couple of other girls. And I personally found them very annoying. Everyone was so much younger and, like, immature, more immature, I feel like. And I was really immature, too. I mean, I literally pooped my pants. But I... <laughs> Listen, things happen. Yeah. This is a safe space. Uh, yes. For... <laughs> It's safe for me to be telling that all over town. (laughs) But I didn't feel like a great sense of community with them. Like, the only community I felt was with my really good friend, my like fellow 1D obsessive. That was a defining moment in our friendship, (laughs) meeting them together. What were you hoping
0: to get out of meeting them?
1: I think I was hoping to like, look into their eyes and just gets like, I think I would, thought I was going to come with some sort of like validation of like, they see me, they know I'm here and they like me. I don't know. I think I just wanted them to know I exist in a way. And like looking, that per- looking your celebrity of choice in the eye is like, okay, they no I exist in the world. And when you see somebody's face one time, it's like you can appear in their dreams, maybe. (laughs) Not to be crazy.
0: (laughs) No, uh, I'd I'd love for you, if you can or want to, to put this into context a little bit. Like, was there like you know during your your in college at the time was what was kind of going on around you and and in your life that that led you to 1D and maybe led you to you know wanting that that validation and that recognition from this this band you really loved
1: and admired well i just discovered them decided i liked them and I, when i went to college i was like undeclared, had absolutely no direction. I look back on it and I'm like, you know, it, my life would be so different if I had taken like a year or two before going to college. But I, I went into college with really no direction and I felt really lost the whole time. And so discovering them like my freshman year as like this one sort of like constant, like separate from school, separate from the stresses of like having to decide who you want to be when you're an adult. Like It just felt like every time I would like, because it was all like online fandom, you know, it was like Tumblr and Twitter and blah, 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 and just texting my friend all the time about them. I mean, it was like logging on was like truly... Entering like fantasy world and leaving reality, which was I wanted to do because I didn't know what I wanted to do in college. Then I chose a major. Then I hated it. I just, I felt like trapped. I was really depressed. That's when I found out I was depressed and started going to therapy, which I didn't like. And then I started taking medicine. Like I was all over the place mentally. My mental health was like in the toilet. I failed a semester of college because I was so depressed. I like didn't leave my bedroom. I just felt like I was about to drop out or like die at any second. Being able to like log online or be texting my friend about these people. I mean, it's like when you when you have a band or a person that you're like a celebrity figure, you're so obsessed with. I mean, you're just projecting onto them. And so like, you know, I have all these characters that I think that each of them were each of these five members, and it's like dissecting that and diving into that was like a complete fantasy. And it afforded me like something outside of school to just like cling to, you know. So that's kind of what they were to me, as crazy as that sounds like. That is truly, I, I was like oscillating throughout college. I was like, I can't tell if they're making me be terrible at school or if they're the only thing like keeping me here, you know what I mean? Because I was so. I mean, I just abused my privilege as I was like two, not doing my schoolwork and then just sleeping and being depressed and then going on the internet and reading about One Direction, you know, like, okay, honestly, when Harry Styles, when I found out he started dating Taylor Swift, I took like three days off school because I was like, he cheated on me. (laughs) Like, I truly had a parasocial relationship with all of them. Do you want to
0: unpack that term for people who may not be familiar with it?
1: Yeah, I hope I'm using it correctly. But I think it's when you have, you as a real person have a relationship with the idea of a TV character or a celebrity that you're sort of projecting onto and you feel like you really know the person and like you really are maybe in love with the person, like you can have the same feelings in your brain of like being really in love. I don't quite know if what the definite, if that's the definition, but that's like what it is.
0: I'm not a psychologist, but that sounds right. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Did you find yourself also, you know, you had your friend that you went to the book signing with, you were engaging with this, these other fans on Tumblr and Twitter, whatnot. And I I know you've described the fandom as toxic, but also as a coping mechanism. Did you, you know, find a sense of community in, in that fandom and in interactions with real people because of, these sweet angel babies as well.
1: (laughs) I didn't really make like friends in the fandom. It was really just, it was a cornerstone of my friendship with my friend, uh, with my one- IRL friend, but also online friend. I really didn't, like, meet other people in college. I mean, strangely, I have met people literally in the last few months who are into things that I never thought I would meet. Like, I'm also a huge fan of MTV's The Challenge series, and I've watched every single episode. That's a whole other thing, but...
0: If you want to go into it, please.
1: (laughs) Well, I met. I mean, I I had never met other adults, not like teens, who know everything about the challenge like I do, like in real life until recently. And I was shocked to find out people have different opinions than me. Like I literally was shocked because I had never entered the fandom. I was like a solo fan. But no, I didn't really connect with any fandom IRL. It was like all online except for my friendship where it's like we would get together – we would meet at the library to, quote, work on stuff and then just talk for like eight hours about One Direction. I'm not exaggerating. Like sleep overnight in the library, pretending like we're doing our work, but really just gossiping.
0: That's the amazing thing about fandom is it? it does... You came over and it was just the th- me and her and my wife hanging out and...
1: We definitely got that vibe. We would like go to the dining hall with other friends and then it would just, we would actively be like, okay, we're not going to talk about One Direction at this dinner. And then it would just completely crumble and we'd be like screaming about some tweet we saw about Harry and our friends would be like, okay, is there anything else we can talk about? (laughs) No, I couldn't. I literally couldn't. Did you find yourself at
0: a certain point though where you're, you had to had to reconcile your love of One Direction with you know, the need to move on to other topics in order to engage with people in the real world or I guess on the flip side of that did you find your like was there a time where you found yourself your love of One Direction helped you connect more with people IRL
1: I feel like in some ways their evolution as a band like forced me out of the womb a little bit it, like the womb of like birthed me into like real life <laughs> because okay so <laughs> One Direction would have this thing where like every six months they would be like we have a huge announcement coming that's gonna affect everybody like be, w- be on the lookout and it was always like a new perfume at Kohl's or something <laughs> and I'm like I'm not gonna buy it like it smells like shit like
0: but <laughs> and then you bought it
1: <laughs> I never have I'm proud to say I've never bought a One Direction <laughs> perfume but I, I own other other paraphernalia <laughs> but um oh but then but then it's like okay. They had announcement, oh, um, Zayn is leaving the band. And then it started honestly, Harry Styles dating Taylor Swift broke my heart in a way that felt so real. And that was like the beginning of the end for me, where I was like, I need to unclench a little bit. Like I need to like loosen my grip because this is truly affecting me in my brain in ways that I hate. But then their band just kind of crumbled, you know, like Zayn laughed and then they released one more album and I didn't really like it. Mostly because it's Sounded like adult real music, and I was like, "No, bring back the bad pop." <laughs> I, I feel like it was probably their most critically acclaimed one. Yeah, I mean, I was just kind of done. Like, I was mad at Harry Styles for cheating on me with all these beautiful blondes. I was mad that Zayn left, and then they had one last album, and I. I was like not that into it, but it was also their sort of dissolution as a band really coincided with me like getting back on my feet mentally. And I, they were pretty unrelated, but I like figured out therapy and I figured out mental health and I figured out college. I like changed my major with like one semester left, but it, I had to do it. And I, got a job and I was like working on myself and I like didn't really need them in the same way I had before. And it just so happened that their band was ending (laughs) right around the same time. So it was like perfect. (laughs) So
0: happy that things are going better. Looking back on it now, living in Chicago, doing comedy, having this whole other world in front of you what from what do you hold on to or take with you from your direction or
1: now there was a time where I couldn't listen to them because it was like too packed with memories and too much just like that is what that time is for me and it just it really took took me back when I wasn't ready to go. Um, but now I was just listening to them on the way here. And I think number one, I take away they were a huge part of my okay, I think I said this at Appetite, but like I had a poster of them over my bed when I lost my virginity. Like they're like literally ingrained in so many of my memories. Like whenever we had parties in our apartment, we were drinking from my set of One Direction cups where like each member had a little plastic cup, like drinking like beer or shots out of them or what like they're just like a part of all of my memories. And so I like that. I like that it's like I can look at a picture or read an article or listen to a song and it's just like To me, that's like, feels like a part of my life, even though it's theirs. And I think what I took away from it is like the ability to create a friendship out of just like one shared passion. And it evolves into something so much bigger and more important than just that. I think in the beginning with my friend, I thought that's all we had in common. We are super different people, but we're still friends like all these years later. And I love that it was born out of just like our deep obsession with like following One Direction Updates accounts on Twitter. You know, like that's
0: beautiful to me. Following the great ship wars of 2014.
1: (gasps) Oh, my God.
0: The ship wars. Can we, we need to talk about Larry. Oh,
1: my God. It's honestly, it's an elephant in this room. It is a huge
0: elephant in this room like again only vaguely familiar with the 1d fandom and i could do a whole nother podcast about the
1: politics of shipping
0: real people
1: yeah first of all i think there should be a whole podcast dissecting just literally on a week-to-week basis like every single week of one direction as a band because there was a new drama every week and i I know all of it. Like, it's so, so, it runs so deep. Please start that. I would
0: (laughs) listen the shit out of it. I
1: deeply want it. Like, okay, Larry is, for those who aren't familiar, Louis Tomlinson and Harry Styles were two members of the band. Harry, I'm sure you know, because hello, star, mini Mick Jagger, like X Factor. Louis Tomlinson, very much, I will say this, bad singer. (laughs) (laughs) Um and, and, and as somebody, to, and no, as somebody who's tone deaf, I have to say this. Like, but you performed "Baby One More Time" in clown makeup. I know, and it was horrendous. <laughs> but they are two very real people who were in the band who people ship. There were ships for every member or every uh, pairing, but people truly, truly believed that these two boys were in love with each other, and there is a deep conspiracy theory that many people still believe to this day.
0: Yeah, there are all kinds of accounts Mm -hmm. and
1: YouTube videos. You could
0: easily go down
1: a rabbit hole. I did in 2012, and I was like, oh, my God, is this real? like for uh, for a second i was like wow i watched one 10 minute video from like somebody in sweden and i'm like this is definitely happening <laughs> but it's it's like this deep theory that like their management hated the gays and didn't want them to be together and is keeping them apart to this day louis Tomlinson has a baby with somebody i i actually don't know who but <laughs> he has a child with a woman and people are like, when is management going to give it up and reveal it's a fake baby? And I'm like, this baby's like four. <laughs> this is a human child. Yes. And like, at the end uh, the- it is really messed up. Yeah. And at the end of the day, and I think we actually talked
0: about this in the figure skating episode, too, about the way people respond, particularly to Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer about. Oh, because they're, quote fingers, platonic business partners. Mm-hmm. But everyone's like, oh, no, you're totally fucking. Um, yeah. But just, like, remembering, oh, right, these are real people who have their own lives and genuine relationships. Yeah, and projecting to us can... I don't know what the line is, but there's a line between, you know, having fun and getting into the fantasy of it and where it starts to get super invasive.
1: And Yeah, I feel like the line is, like... Re- It's like one thing to kind of have like your community on Tumblr.com where you're just like, oh, my God, so cute together. But it's different when you're like tweeting at somebody's grand, elderly grandfather, like, when are you going to reveal that Harry's part of the family? Like, that's so (laughs) great. Like, that's where the line is, is like reaching out to their family members.
0: Or I think about this example as a as a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, Ooh. where there are people who ship two of the queens who have been on the show in the past, Trixie Mattel and Katya. Oh yeah. And there was a, a situation at DragCon where a fan read very explicit fan fiction about Trixie and Katya, who are friends and co-hosts. Yeah. About them to them at DragCon, like just because you know someone has this outrageous persona and whatever it doesn't you can yeah it doesn't like your original prose about
1: their sex life yeah, to it, them That that's public that's so invasive yeah One Direction would be getting interviewed and s- the interviewer would be like uh, Harry and Louis there's like we've read a lot of crazy fan fiction about you um, about you guys like you know having sex and like to their faces and then they had to res- like how do you respond to that they were like 19 or 20 and it's like what do you say like that exists but that's not ha- like it's just it's so silly to make somebody defend themselves like that but actually Talking about fan fiction, there is a very also um, not as well known ship where people were shipping Harry with Barack Obama, and there's like a wealth of fan fiction, sexual fan fiction of Harry Styles and Barack Obama. What? <laughs> yeah.
0: Obama that's what Obama? it's called Obama yeah
1: <laughs> I, I okay I I read one because my friend sent it to me and she's like this is so insane it's insane because it's like and not that not that you can't have an imagination and be a writer i think it's actually like very creative in many instances but i mean when like a 15 year old is like writing explicitly about quote like someone's a member and like gay sex and they're like 15 I'm just like you what are you talking about and where did this come from in your brain
0: again it's it's that line between enjoying the fantasy and there
1: is some you know
0: there are some very good fan works
1: yeah totally there
0: and it's possible to have fan fiction that's good writing and Mm -hmm. not super weird
1: I remember I read a lot of good Harry Potter ones back in the day people were really creative about Harry Potter fanfic I don't want to like open another can of
0: worms have you ever read my immortal wait this is ringing a wait it's like the goth the really bad goth Harry Potter fanfic
1: okay I've heard of It, but I don't think I've ever opened it. It Seems dark-sided.
0: So good. (laughs) I mean, it's it's terrible, but it's so it's like so bad. Good. It's like internet. It's in internet lore now.
1: Yeah. No, I've heard of it. Like referenced. It's a real thing. But I but I've never read it. Bringing it back to
0: other stuff you had mentioned wanting to talk about, I, I saw you had mentioned something about Nickelback.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, because One Direction really got me through college. But listen, mental health is a journey, and yes. I still struggle, okay, here and there. And most recently, my new things that really just, like, help me cope is listening to the following bands. Papa Roach, Creed, Nickelback, anyone who yarls, really, oh. Theory of a Dead Man. Wow. <laughs> like, like, think about our country's most hated bands, those are really what are getting me
0: through right now. That is an incredible. And, and what yeah. brought you back to the world of post 9-11 <laughs> alt
1: contemporary? <laughs> you know, Papa Roach, I'm like weirdly a huge fan of. And I found out they're playing here in August and I wanted to start a Kickstarter because tickets are $70 to see Papa Roach in Chicago. Excuse me? Yeah, and I was like, I'm Excuse setting you. up a Kickstarter so I can go see Papa Roach. I will Venmo you $70 <laughs> so you can see Papa Roach. If anybody out there wants me to see Papa Roach, please reach out. <laughs> yeah, please, please PayPal Hannah so she can see Papa Roach. Uh, I don't know, but I've always been a really big fan of Nickelback. And I remember like almost in tears, like over at the lunchroom table, like they good like in somebody's face and i just recently in my adulthood have rediscovered them and i'm like this is um good (laughs) when i see the music video for rockstar i'm like yeah this is pretty freaking rocking like i love
0: it having the this band in this genre that's really pretty heavily maligned in sort of the mainstream pop culture discourse you know, how do you respond to enjoying something that's essentially a meme of <laughs> how much it sucks?
1: I know that's that's what I'm. It's almost like it's like we all decide something sucks, and then we don't really actually like just take it for what it is anymore. Like I'm not like give Nickelback a Grammy, and <laughs> do they have any? But I am like, we'll find out and put it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> But I am like if you're riding in the car and you hear far away one of their later hits, you do want to look out the window and be dramatic for a second and kind of sing along. And I just I just feel like it's like I just accept them for who they are. Okay, I'm not like thinking they're going to put out something amazing or I'm not going to defend the quality. I'm just going to say when you hear it, you know it and you want to sing along. Okay. I think
0: there is a, a certain level of just kind of being in the world in 2019 that there's just kind of this more than an undercurrent and overcurrent, if you will, of, of angst that needs processing in totally in kind of the same way. Like I've like I, I feel you. I found myself reverting to my taste in music during the Bush years a little bit. Uh, <laughs> like even just yesterday, I was revisiting System of a Downs 2001 album. Toxicity. <laughs> oh that shit holds up. That is I'm, a good album. I believe
1: you. I- and it's like it's it's also like it's also like okay 2019 things are bleak (laughs) things are real bleak and it's like i'm just gonna like what i want to like and what i like sounds like blonde man chad or whoever just like ripping on a guitar (laughs) for nickelback what's that guy's name chad Chad kroger chad kroger yeah former mr avril Lavigne. i know and now she's a christian artist and i listened to her new song and i liked it
0: Okay, you've given me so much to unpack when this episode is over. Yeah. What outside of pop culture do you do to practice self and community care?
1: I think for me, just like getting, because my friends right now in Chicago do what I do. Like we all do stand up and it feels like it's weirdly difficult to make plans that have absolutely nothing to do with going to a show, going to a mic, doing this, practicing that. Like just seeing my friends totally outside all context of like our various hobbies and all that and just kind of like sitting at a table and talking about anything, even if it's just like Facebook gossip is crucial to my mental wellness being so that's kind of something I'm doing where it's like I need to fully remove myself from a community for a day it's so easy when you're a performer when
0: you're doing organizing when you're doing you're just like living in right now to get fatigued and get burnt out so anything you can do to kind of remove your brain for a minute from all of that is yeah super helpful we like to watch jeopardy
1: which oh, i'm okay yeah. whatever but i mean we don't need to get <laughs> into you? it we don't need to get into it but <laughs> I, we like to watch jeopardy and just like yell out the answers and i'm never right I, i'm right once a game once a game. But just like sitting around and doing that or literally just watching <laughs> watching anything together that is not a stand-up comedy show feels really good. That's I think that's about it. Hannah, thank you so much for
0: taking the time to come on the show. Do you have anything you want else you want to plug coming up or where can people find you online?
1: I'm very much not booked for anything, so <laughs> you can find me online. I'm on Instagram at Hannah. B, B-E-A, Bomanna, and I'm on Twitter at Hannah bomana And both of them um, are really just unprofessional, just like places for me to word vomit. So you can just expect that. Great.
0: <laughs> thank you, Hannah. Thank you so much. This has been I'll Be There For You. We have new episodes every other Sunday to help you beat those Sunday scaries. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, where. Ever you like to get your podcast, please give those sweet sweet five star reviews. If you have questions, feedback, you want to be on the show, you want to recommend a topic, whatever the case may be. You can find us at I'll be there for you pod at gmail.com. Thanks and we will talk to you next time. Take care everybody.